Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. Today's show is about a condition that affects individuals with uncorrected heart defects. Eisenmenger syndrome is a condition that affects blood flow from the heart to the lungs in some babies who have structural problems of the heart. The problem usually starts with the baby being born with a hole between the left and right ventricles of the heart. This means the hole is in the bottom part of the heart. This is also known as a ventricular septal defect, or VSD for short. According to Medline Plus, the hole allows oxygenated blood to flow back into the lungs through the hole instead of going out to the rest of the body. There are a number of other heart defects that can lead to Eisenmenger syndrome. These include, but are not limited to, atrioventricular canal defect, atrial septal defect, or ASD, cyanotic heart disease, patent ductus arteriosus, or PDA, and truncus arteriosus. The most important thing to know about Eisenmenger syndrome is that it is not a heart defect. This syndrome occurs after a person is born with a cyanotic heart defect and then develops pulmonary arterial hypertension, or PAH. PAH is a type of high blood pressure that affects the arteries in the lungs and the right side of the heart. Eisenmenger syndrome is a consequence of being born with a congenital heart defect. It appears the actual incidence of Eisenmenger syndrome is unknown. It was first described by Dr. Victor Eisenmenger in 1897. One of the key factors with Eisenmenger syndrome is that once it develops, congenital heart defect surgery will only do more harm than good, so surgery is not recommended. Despite that, it appears that many people with Eisenmenger syndrome can lead happy, productive lives. There are exercise restrictions due to the congenital birth defects, and pregnancy is not recommended. But with excellent medical treatment, a person with Eisenmenger syndrome in 2014 can expect to live far into adulthood, perhaps even into their 70s. While we are not sure of the exact number of people living with Eisenmenger syndrome, we know that this condition affects people all over the world. Here to tell us her story about living with Eisenmenger syndrome is Carolyn Robinson. Carolyn Robinson was born in April of 1948. Because of her blueness and what the doctors heard, they knew that Carolyn had a heart condition. However, her heart defect was not diagnosed until she was 10 years of age. The heart-lung machine was developed and first used on a human in 1953. Carolyn's first and only heart catheterization was at 10 years of age. Her diagnosis was a VSD and Eisenmenger syndrome. Carolyn's parents were told that surgery was impossible. Her body had actually made some changes that helped her, and any surgery would have ended Carolyn's life. As a child, she had difficulty keeping up with other children. She was fortunate 
and that she didn't miss much. Carolyn couldn't participate in sports, but she wasn't a sports-minded kid. A few years ago, after an MRI, Carolyn was diagnosed with truncus arteriosus. Currently, Carolyn is 66 years of age, and although it's still difficult for her to keep up, she does her best. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Carolyn. Hi, Anna. It's so good to talk to you, Carolyn. Yes, it is. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> I know. For those of you who don't know, Carolyn was also a contributor to an essay in The Heart of a Mother. So she and I go way, way back. Well, Carolyn, I was so inspired by your story. The more research I did on Eisenmenger syndrome, you are just an amazing person. And I'm curious what the worst part about having Eisenmenger syndrome has been for you. The very worst part as a child, I couldn't do a lot of the things other kids could do. I did my best, but I got left behind a lot, and that was hard. Also, you have this blue tinge, so you look different from other people. I've been asked, you sure have a good tan. Where did you get that? And I just say, oh, well, I go to Texas every winter. But really, I think a lot of it is the blue tinge to my skin, but I'm not admitting that. <laughs> yeah, it's so those are probably the first two things that come to mind. Do your fingertips look a little bit blue too? Oh yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the thing that I noticed with Alex when he was most cyanotic was that even the tip of his nose, if he was really cold, mm-hmm. the tip of his nose looked blue, like a little smurf. <laughs> yeah, other people would turn red. I turn blue. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also uh, there's clubbing of the fingers. And I I don't know whether that's due to the Eisenmangers or the heart condition, the VSD. I'm not sure, but I do have... it's from being cyanotic. Is it? Okay. My clubbing is not really that noticeable. I have seen other patients, and wow, (laughs) But, but mine aren't too bad, really. Yeah, that was something that I noticed when I was doing the research on Eisenmenger syndrome was the clubbing is one of the key characteristics, the blue tinge, yes, definitely, that mm-hmm. too. So, And then also the inability to keep up with the peers. That's right. a key symptom that something is wrong. Mm-hmm. You said as a, as a little child that was how it affected you worst. What happened when you became a teenager and a young adult? How did your condition affect you then? Well, basically the same. I couldn't do everything other teenagers did. You know, my friends would go off skating or skiing, and, and winter is pretty hard on a person with Eisenmangers, I think, or any any extreme weather conditions like high humidity. But So I, I couldn't do that sort of thing. There was a time um, my friends were all roller skating, and I went roller skating with them, and I did roller skate, not, not as well as them, but I, I could do it. So that was one thing. Um, I, guess, I guess the same thing, the, the, the blueness. You know, as a teenage girl, you don't want people to know. So uh, as, as soon as I was able to start wearing makeup, I covered it up as best as I could. Mm-hmm. I was always trying to hide it. I didn't want to be different. Sure. Nobody wants to be different, especially when no. you're a teenager. I think that's what makes it so hard. And mm-hmm. if you feel you look different or you're different because... And for our listeners who don't know, Carolyn lives in Canada, so I imagine going skiing is a common... Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of our winter sports. (laughs) Right, right. And ice skating and that kind of thing. Could you do... Mm -hmm. Did you go and I tried it, but, you know, I, I, it, was, it was hard on me. And, and even when I had kids, they wanted to go skating, and I would take them to the mother and 
kids skates and I'd get on the skates and it would be harder for me than other mothers, but I did it. It didn't hold me back too much Mm -hmm. or I wouldn't let it hold me back too much. That's what it sounds like to me, like (laughs) you are a tough lady and you wouldn't let it define your life. I mean, it affected your life, of course, but you didn't let it define your life. And I think that's one of the reasons I admire you so much is that you had this great adversity to overcome, and you just did it. (laughs) You just said, okay, I can't be an Olympic skier. That doesn't mean I can't try. I think it's great that even though you did have this major condition, you didn't let it slow you down any more than you had to. I mean, obviously, you couldn't push yourself past what your body would allow you, but it sounds like your body did let you go skiing or roller skating or ice skating. It just maybe wasn't for the same duration that a person without a heart defect and without ice. And as I was younger, it wasn't affecting me quite as much as, say, it is now that I'm in my 60s. Mm -hmm. You know, I could do a little more back then than I can do now. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes total sense because it's harder for all of us as we get older. Right, as we age. Everything gets a little bit more challenging. Yeah. So you knew, obviously, from a young age, I guess at 10 years of age, you were old enough to understand that you were having a test done to look at your heart. And mm-hmm. I imagine your parents talked to you about your condition and your doctor. Uh-huh, Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't understand it that much. You know, as a 10-year-old, <laughs> I didn't really right. understand. I just knew I had a heart condition. And even after they found out what it was, it didn't stop me from doing what I was doing. And, and my parents never really held me back. They let me do what I could do. So at 10, you found out you had this heart defect and you had this Isomanger syndrome, which to you probably seemed like Greek. <laughs> right. What, what exactly that meant. When did you find out that it would not be a good idea for you to have children? Well, I think over the years, my mom may have said, she was probably told that, so she would just mention it every once in a while. I think I was smart enough to know that I was figured if I didn't have enough oxygen for me, how could I grow a baby, you know, with, with no mm-hmm. oxygen in my blood or very little oxygen? So I think I always knew when I became engaged. Of course, I went to the doctor to talk about all that sort of stuff, and it was, no, definitely no. So that, that's mm-hmm. what I knew. So I was about 20 years old when I knew definitely. Wow. Was it a shock or was it something that you kind of figured? I mean, because it's no, it like wasn't. I kind, of, I kind of knew it all along. And perhaps, I mean, it's hard to remember way back then, but when I was seeing my doctor at Sick Kids, perhaps he even told me mm-hmm. at, at my appointment. Sometimes we have know. to hear things over and over before it actually sinks mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I, I always knew. In fact, I can remember telling my my fiancé or when I was dating him or we were getting close to that point that I probably wouldn't be able to have children. That could have affected a lot of things. You know, right. Depending how, the, depending how the man felt about having his own child. Some of them, are they won't accept an adopted child. So, so anyway, that's when I knew and there was no problems. And two years after we got married, we adopted a little boy. Yes, and for those of you who would like to read more about that, Carolyn actually wrote about that in our book, The Heart of a Mother, and it's a beautiful story. Leading the Troops is the name of her essay, and it's a great read. So I encourage everyone to pick up a copy of The Heart of a Mother and read Carolyn's essay. But let's get back to the Eisenmenger's syndrome, because I imagine as an aging 
Eisenmenger syndrome survivor that you must have some words of advice for other people who have the same diagnosis or for the parents of a child with Eisenmenger syndrome. So what kind of advice can you give us? That's hard to advise another person because some conditions are so extreme and and some aren't so bad. So I couldn't really advise somebody to live like me, but I guess any advice I would have for somebody would be live your life to the fullest. Do what you can. Do everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Above all, don't give up. I kind of was thinking about this. And one thing I wrote down was, finally, don't judge people using the handicapped parking spots because there are a lot of us uh, with hidden disabilities. That's right. That's I've had right. some looks. I've only had one yeah. comment, but I've had looks. I can even find myself looking at people thinking, do you really need that? <laughs> You have to learn not to judge people who are using those spots because some people look fine and they're not. Wow, that's so true, though. And I imagine for you, especially if you're going to a place where the parking can be quite far from the door, that if you had to park terribly far away, by the time you got to the door, you'd be exhausted. That's right, that's right. Yeah, even now I'd use the handicap parking and people look at me, you know, what's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah, and then I, and I think I'll tell them right, and I think it's going to take people being open, like what you just said. That I'll tell them, you know, you're not going to turn around and say it's none of your business. You can say, oh well, I have Eisenmenger syndrome. I can't really walk that far, and hopefully, people would be nice. The more that I was doing the research, the more I realized while Eisenmenger syndrome is not a heart defect, it goes hand in hand with the heart defects, and right. it is a consequence of the heart defects. But I love your advice. Live your life to the fullest. I think that's great advice for anybody, whether they have a heart defect or not. That's true. Yeah, I agree. But I do think that when you have a condition like this that you live with on a daily basis, it makes you more aware of how important every day is, how important every moment is, and Mm -hmm. how you shouldn't give up because you don't know what tomorrow holds for you. And you want to be there. You want to be there to have those children and to watch those kids grow up and then become a grandma. Mm -hmm. And we'll be talking about that more after the break. But right now, we do have to take a short commercial break. Don't leave yet because coming up, we will be talking to Carolyn about when she met her first congenital heart defect friend and what her change in diagnosis has meant for her when we return to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with adult congenital heart defect survivor Carolyn Robinson about living with Eisenmenger syndrome. First of all, Carolyn, when did you meet in person your first congenital heart defect friend and how did it make you feel? The first time I met in person would have been about 1994. I met my friend Rita from New Brunswick on a Chatelaine website forum. It was a medical forum, and she was searching for information, and there I was. I think about a year later, I went out to New Brunswick, and we actually met. It was great. You know, it was like it was nice to see somebody who was like me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, she also grew up in Toronto and also went to sick kids. And we laughed and we, gee, I wish I had known you as a kid because then we would have had somebody not to do things with, you know, <laughs> a friend <laughs> who also couldn't do the things we couldn't do. Right. So we always laughed about that. But we're still, 20 years later, we're still in contact. I haven't seen her in a few years. Yeah, we call each other our heart friends. <laughs> right, right. So you yeah. were an adult. You were, what, in your 40s before you met face-to-face somebody who had a heart defect? Right, right. Well, you know, I, no, I never knew anybody before that. I think maybe one kid in my school had something, but he had surgery, and, you know, it was a boy, and he was younger. I never knew anything. So, yeah, it was in my 40s. It wasn't really until we got on the Internet and we could start discovering Mm -hmm. all the things for ourselves that we met. I mean, Rita had never met anybody either, and she's a few years younger than me. Yeah. So, But then, you know, the whole world opened up, and I've met a lot now, a lot with with Eisenmangers, a lot with other different kinds of uh, heart conditions. Mm-hmm. That's true. And I agree with you that the Internet is what opened up the world for us, and we could reach out and meet people all over the world who had similar defects or whose children had similar defects. And So so does Rita have the same heart defect you do and the same? Yes, she, she does. I don't know whether she, I don't think she has the truncus arteriosus part, but she has the VSD and the Isomangers. And it's interesting the way different people were treated because when I met her, she was on oxygen full time. Oh, wow. And I've never had oxygen. Then she started going to new doctors. I think maybe with this Traclear coming in, and I kind of encouraged her to find out about that. And she only has the oxygen at night now. Oh, good. Well, that yeah, really so makes her life so much easier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Unless things have changed since I last talked to her. But, yeah, we learn a lot from each other. I like the fact that you had Rita that you could talk to and share mm-hmm. with. In my first season, I had Carl Walford on the show with me, and he has an unusual condition as well. And like you, he was an adult before he met somebody else with his condition, although there was another child in the hospital having surgery when he had surgery, and his mother and that boy's mother had become friends. And so when he Mm -hmm. was an adult, thanks to the Internet, like you're saying, he was able to reconnect with that family, even though he didn't have a memory, per se, of, Uh of that child. But as they've grown older, they've exchanged stories back and forth, and they've been able to say, oh, well, this is what I'm doing, and what are you doing? And just like what you are with Rita, you know, how you right. can share your own experience, what your doctors are doing, and then it makes you feel less alone because there may not be a whole lot of 66-year-olds out there. With no, no. I have one friend, actually, she lives in Texas. She's 72 and a half. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, she's doing Okay. Well, she struggles, but still, she's mm-hmm. she's doing she's doing okay. Yeah, but she has well, her struggles. And I know so. a lot of people in their seventies who struggle, whether they have a heart mm-hmm. defect or not. You know, as we right, get older, right? Yeah, things that and you know whether she, whether she was worse than me to begin with. I don't know. I, I haven't known her right. that long, but she's been on oxygen as long as I've known her. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah. that's not uncommon then. No. Well, Carolyn, you said in your biography that with your latest MRI, your diagnosis was changed to that of truncus arteriosus. So what exactly does that mean to you, and 
Now I already know from my research I was going to ask you, does that mean you're a candidate for surgery? But I already know, no, because of the Isominger syndrome, you're not a candidate for no, surgery. No, I'm not, but no. I think, I think for people you, like me, the only surgery that would help would be a double lung and heart transplant. And, of course, you have to be at a certain stage to be eligible for that. And hopefully I'll never get there. Right, right. I did see that when I did my research, and I thought, wow. And I do have a friend who wrote for the heart of a father, Kevin Kindline, and that was Yes, I was in touch with Kevin for years on the Internet, of course. I know. I miss Kevin. He was such a sweet man. Yeah, that was very... A heart double lung transplant. Right, and he had eyes and mangers. Yes, right, he did. Mm Mm-hmm. But that was a tough, tough road for him after getting mm-hmm. heart and yeah, lung transplant. Yeah, some people do well, and others, it is a hard road for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. He seemed to do so well at first. I know. But, I know. Was, he was writing all these awesome posts, and I was like, yay, you're mm-hmm. good. But then he got pneumonia, and mm-hmm. that, that's just so, so hard when you get sick like that. And, you know, I have another friend here in town, and she had a double lung heart transplant, and I think it was something to do with her heart, but I'm not quite sure. And she was good for about 10 years until she got pneumonia. And I guess mm-hmm. because of the anti-rejection drugs, she couldn't fight it. Right. So, right. Yeah, so that was uh, Anti-rejection drugs do such a, a rough job on your immune system, and it mm-hmm. does make you susceptible to succumbing to something as serious as pneumonia. So it's interesting that... All these years later, you had a different diagnosis. The same thing happened to my son. We were told from the beginning that he had hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He just went in two years ago to have surgery, and they're saying, well, he's really single ventricle. They tweaked. Yeah. Well, I guess as as equipment gets better and they they can find out more and more intricate things, yeah. And I think they change their diagnoses. They change the labels every now and then to try to be more precise, I'm sure. But Mm -hmm. um, just like like with you, it didn't change the course of his treatment at all. It doesn't change his diagnosis. And I think my turncus arteriosus is a little different than maybe what's in the books from what the doctor described to me. I've still got the two arteries coming oh, off the two that. Vessels. Okay. Yeah, but they're not in the right spot or something. So uh, she called it truncus arteriosus, but from what she explained, it was a different version. <laughs> I still have You're the two unique, vessels. You're just yeah, unique, Carolyn. You're just unique. Yeah, I'm just unique. It's you... nice to be unique. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You wrote such a beautiful essay for the book, The Heart of a Mother, oh, thank you. called Leading the thank Troops, where you talked what it was like growing up with Eisenmenger syndrome, and, and also you talked about how you became a mother. So for the listeners in our audience who who haven't had a chance to read your essay, can you tell us just a little bit about your decision to become a mother and what all it entailed? Well, I always wanted babies. I love babies. So when I or we knew that I couldn't carry a baby of my own, we applied at the Children's Aid Society, which is an Ontario government charity. They look after all the children who are up for adoption, whatever. Anyway, we applied to them, and I always worried, oh, they won't let us because of my heart condition. And the social worker we had, she said, no, don't let that worry you. We even had a woman who has cancer, and we've let them adopt. And it wasn't an issue for them. 
they didn't even look at it. They didn't want, everybody has to go for a medical, but they didn't want in-depth things about my heart condition or anything. We're just treated like everybody else. Uh-huh. They phoned us a few months later, and they had a baby boy for us. And, and then a couple of years later, later, we got a little girl, the million-dollar family. Oh, that's just so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you did have babies. You was, got two children. Right, yeah. Jeff was only five weeks, and Jennifer was 12 weeks when we got them. Yeah. When we come back after this next break, we're going to talk about the grandkids, too. Okay. Okay, so we do need to take one more quick commercial break, but don't leave yet because Carolyn will tell us about her special grandchildren, and we'll have a little bit more time to chat when we come back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today we are talking with adult congenital heart defect survivor, Carolyn Robinson. And Carolyn, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Heart to Heart with Anna. It has been so much fun talking to you about Yes, how you it has live. been fun. Yeah, how you have lived with Eisenmenger syndrome and what advice you've had for others. But now I have to ask about the grandkids because you sent some photos. And for those of you who have a chance, go to the Blog Talk Radio website and look up this show. And when you listen to the show, you'll see a slideshow. And Carolyn sent me a ton of photographs that they're so neat. And we did put them in a slideshow. My friend Lauren Bernard yesterday took the time to put all of the photos in, in order <laughs> from when you were a baby all the way up until oh, now. Oh, good. And there's a picture of you with some of your grandchildren. So tell us about your grandchildren. We have eight grandchildren. They range from six months to 19 years of age. I'm in my second marriage now. So... The oldest two are my grandchildren, and they're 19 and and almost 15. And then my husband's grandchildren, they're all our grandchildren, but for definition purpose, um, they range from age 8 to 6 months, I think. Unfortunately, six of them don't live close by. In fact, two of them are out in Minnesota, and the other ones live in other towns in Ontario. Mm Mm-hmm. But they're beautiful and love them to bits. <laughs> Lots of fun. <laughs> that is so much fun. And I'm so excited for you that you've had a chance to have grandchildren. Everybody tells me that only we could start with grandkids, that the grandkids That's are right. so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> to be a little more prepared to how to, how to raise your own kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The grandkids you just like... have fun with, you know, and right. play with. Yeah. Right. Well, that's so neat. Mm -hmm. Well, I want to end the show with one piece of good news, and that is that with the improvements in early detection, more children than ever before are having their congenital heart defects detected early. And with early intervention, fewer children are actually developing Eisenmenger syndrome. So this is yet another reason we need to continue putting money into congenital heart defect research so we can wipe out Eisenmenger syndrome. Wouldn't you say, Carolyn? I would say, yes, that's good news. Yeah. 
It mm-hmm. is good news. I mean, I was really happy to see that this is one of the conditions that does seem to be decreasing. Although we can't get any hard numbers on that, it does seem like we are able to catch these VSDs earlier. And if right. children can have surgery earlier, right. so they don't develop the pulmonary That's hypertension. Right. right. That makes all the difference in the world, yeah. But back when I was born, they didn't have the, the means to detect it like they do now, and they didn't have the heart-lung machine, so there was no way to correct it. Right, right. You have seen pediatric cardiology evolve in your lifetime, haven't you, Carolyn? I guess I have, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you know you're a pioneer, Carolyn? And I want to thank you again for coming on this show. It's been such a delight talking to you and hearing how you have lived with Eisenmenger syndrome, and I think you've triumphed over it. I really do. And definitely given the parents of children who do have this, a lot of hope for their children's future. Thanks again, Carolyn, for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show, and remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.